All right, another great episode of the Ortho Show. This one's really important because you're going to learn something. You know, we bring on Mark Gruner, who's a physiatrist, and this kid's got some gumption, man. He he saw this idea about a, about a program where you could do home physical therapy remotely, be able to care for patients, be able to give them better outcomes. He validated the process uh, scientifically, which showed that it worked. Worked. He then goes Mr. Smith to Washington, literally goes to Washington, and over three years, believe it or not, develops four new CPT codes so that doctors can be paid for this very worthwhile event. I think it's something that's going to really change and revolutionize uh, physical therapy for physical therapists, for doctors, and for patients in particular. It's a triple win. Really important episode. You have to listen to the whole thing. Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where everyone knows we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. I have to say, I'm very excited about today's episode. I think this is going to be a tremendous learning experience for all of our listeners about a new topic, something that I think is really going to revolutionize how we help take care of our patients in the home setting. We have Dr. Mark Gruner, who's become a, a close friend of mine, who's a physiatrist who specializes in sports medicine. He's in private practice at Ortho Bethesda. Uh, and uh, he is the CMO and founder of Limber Health, which is a digital health solution for providers. Mark, what a pleasure it is to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. I really do appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we always start off at the ortho show, sort of, you know, born and bred. Where'd you come from? It looks like you and I sort of grew up in the same area. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a Baltimore guy, and it looks like you barely left D.C. most of your life. Uh, so tell us a little bit about growing up in D.C. and when did you decide medicine and all that good stuff? Yeah, I uh, decided medicine. I like many athletes, I was getting injured, played basketball in high school and college, and uh, really became interested in medicine when I was a personal trainer uh, after college and and thought it was uh, an interesting field to really help people and, and change patients' um, lives, lives. And I thought it was a good opportunity to to get involved in trying to, to give back and help people. So that's how I uh, originally got involved. Um, did my medical school and MBA down in Virginia Tech and uh, residency at Georgetown and then sports fellowship at Mayo Clinic and then practiced in the D.C. area. Um, and so been been the D.C. area where I've been able to really learn a lot about policy, worked at CMMI for a period of time, the, the think tank for, for Medicare. And uh, really, uh, it's, uh, that's where I've been living all my life. Yeah, no, it's a common story, you know, especially athletes that are involved in uh, athletics early in life. More often than not, you get injuries, you get hurt, you go see the orthopedic surgeon, you go see whatever the doctor and you say, wow, you know, that's sports medicine and I can do that for a living. That would be really cool. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, it looks like you were at Dickinson, then you moved over to University of Delaware for exercise physiology. And then, as you said, you, you talked about your, your pedigree and I want to congratulate you. It looks like 
at, at the age of 30, you got on your first airplane and you left the DC area to go to the Mayo Clinic. So congratulations. That must have been a very exciting moment for you. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was it was a, it was a good spot. It's a little bit colder. My wife is from Santa Barbara, California. So yikes, um, that's smart it, for it, sure. It was, it was an awakening uh, moment for her. Negative thirty below in Rochester, Minnesota, but it was a great spot to train and, and uh, learn from some of the best uh, surgeons and physicians across the country. And what do they say? The state bird of of, of, of Minnesota is the. Um... Is the mosquito? Is that correct? The mosquito, in the, summer, in yes. the summertime, that's the state bird. <laughs> They're huge. I don't know if you've ever uh, the size of the mosquitoes there. The size of the mosquitoes there is, is it's, they're enormous. That's hysterical. I love that. All right. So, but the Mayo Clinic is important because I think you know this sort of leads you as we come up to limber. We're going to be we'll, we'll talk about that, but I thought it'd be interesting for our listeners because you're really the first physiatrist that we've had on the show to sort of give an understanding and explanation of what you do on a day-to-day basis when it comes to taking care of patients. And so, um, you know, as a physiatrist, physical medicine and rehab doctor, um, you know, you're believing in non-surgical techniques to help patients that have pain and discomfort, especially in the sports medicine world, which is what you did your fellowship in. So describe for us some of the modalities that are available for you on a daily basis that you learned while at the Mayo Clinic that you use routinely now. Yeah, so um, first I would say is conser- you know how to maximize conservative treatment and 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 think about the the different options to help a patient uh, improve, uh, reduce their pain or improve their functional outcomes and be able to track that. Um, that was a huge interest of mine. So that would be thinking about exercise programs that might uh, be uh, appropriate for them. Um, And then thinking about uh, different ways to manage stress fractures or uh, non-surgical types of injuries like shockwave therapy, for example. So did you hang out with our friend Joaquin Sanchez Sotelo at all, the uh, the chief of shoulder special so, shoulder surgery out there? Love that man. He's so he, he's so he had the best surgery. shoulder cases. I mean, he the I'm sure we were doing. He was like taking someone's ankle and putting it in their shoulder, and I was like, <laughs> oh God, what, what, what's going on there? And he's so and kind and cool. sweet, and he talks in that wonderful accent of his. And you just yes, we're going to take your ankle, we're going to put it into your shoulder. And patients are like, thank you so much, Doctor Sotelo. That's wonderful. Well, no, I love it, but but no, he's a really, our, really nice person. Like he is, just, he just, just a very, uh, really good doctor. Yeah, for such a, a worldwide leader, uh, just a remarkably down to earth man. Um, so I think it's interesting again for the listeners. The ultrasound is really important. It's a really unique tool. Uh, lost on me and my generation. Uh, you know, Donnie Buford's a dear friend of mine who who leads the way when it comes to ultrasound uh, teaching. But again, it's a great diagnostic tool, right? You can identify structures, see if there's something wrong, but not just diagnostic, right? It's also therapeutic. So you can identify when you're putting something into the body to try and help to get people better. Let's walk through the orthobiologic thing a little bit. Because I do think that's important. A lot of people are are really fascinated by that. There's a lot of these crazy new Q- QC kinetics that's opening up and charging people all kinds of crazy money, you know, for what's going on. But I think there's some great in- indications and in utilization for these. Let's talk with about one in particular. Let's talk about lipogems. We're going to give Molly a shout out because we we do love our shout outs of the Ortho Show. But tell us what lipogems is, why you like it, and how you're using it in practice. Yeah, for lipogems, you know, I uh, 
originally actually was introduced to LipoGems through my uncle. He's a physicist at Cornell, and he told me about it. Um, and they were uh, using uh, stem cells, specifically adipose treatment, um, uh, on horses, and they were getting better. And he actually got a uh, uh, LipoGems by a physician uh, in New Jersey, and uh, he passed away. His name's Jerry Malenga and uh, had it done for his knee and his shoulder. And five years later, he was significantly improved, hasn't had any problems with his knee or shoulders doing everything. And so my crazy physicist, he really looks like a, a mad scientist. More, more than more, me? More than more me. More than you. Einstein and, in the back. There he is. He's right there, dude. And he's like, you got to look into the research of this. So when I was at, actually at Mayo, I was uh, became interested in research. We actually just brought on LipoGems. And we're starting to to offer that. We we offered many different types of orthobiologic and FDA phase one um, uh, different treatments. And so I became more interested in it. Um, we were offering PRP, bone marrow, and adipose. And I felt like this was an easy, uh, uh, easier treatment than, than bone marrow. And I thought that um, there was some, some good efficacy that could be applied in different uh, clinical situations. So I actually, uh, part, when I got into clinical practice, I... Uh, participated in some studies actually with Cornell um, and uh, uh, have been offering it for select patients. You know, I, my biggest thing is I try to be as as, as evidence-based and clinically appropriate as possible in the Bethesda area. Half my patients are doctors or, or lawyers. So that was a big part of what I really focused on was uh, explaining to them. I will give them studies and so really offer it for knee arthritis um, uh, and it's not always the, the first treatment. I'll usually offer it if they, if they don't get better with a PRP injection and they're not grade four um, severe arthritis. Or I'll offer it for small, uh, low-grade partial articular-sided rotator cuff tears where I think it might be uh, clinically appropriate and they, they're not interested in, in a surgical option and they're looking for something else. So you basically, you know, you take a device and you remove fat from the patient, their own fat cells, and That's then correct. it's minimally manipulated uh, and then done something to, and then you take what are those growth factors inside of those, the stroma or the, the tissue around the fat cells, which in theory creates a healing environment to reduce pain and inflammation. That's it. Perfectly said. Um, I think the one thing that's that's really important to everyone, it hasn't been shown to regrow cartilage. It, the growth factors have uh, been helpful for improving pain and, and function. And that's what we've seen in the, in the clinical studies. And there's a belief that um, that, that has a potential for he healing, helping healing and tendons, and then um, reducing uh, pain for a longer period of time than a traditional steroid injection for knee arthritis. And they are, it sounds to me like they're in a clinical trial right now to try and get the indication for knee osteoarthritis. So they're pushing to be able to make that sort of an on-label indication, which would be, I think, you know, quite unique in that space. Very unique and in, 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 in doing it the, the most clinically appropriate way. Yeah, the arduous FDA PMA approval process at about $20 million or whatever it takes to get through a study. But if it gets through and it'll be worthwhile, and then it will certainly provide the evidence that you had just talked about as you're trying to talk to your patients about providing options. All right. So, you know, again, let's now talk about uh, this really cool thing that you have, uh, which is how you and I got introduced. And we've spent some time in a couple of meetings together at this point, 
done a pretty deep dive uh, on Limber, and I'll be very transparent to say that I've been using your product in clinical practice. I was the beta test uh, doc for our large PE prop, uh, uh, platform, Spire Orthopedics, and so I'm happy to say that it went well, and it sounds Thank like you we, so much. We, we, you're we, very, we appreciate you're, welcome. you're an early adopter. You're very welcome, and it sounds like uh, the Spire Orthopedic platform may be utilizing uh, Limber across the board, so that'd be exciting. All right, so it's interesting. So this is what I got I to gotta figure out from you, all right? Like the chicken or the egg, okay? So you recognize that there's this need to be able to help patients at home, right? The, the laborious process of taking care of you know, patients and coming to the office, they're paying copays, and then they got to get scripts to go somewhere and they go to physical therapy and they go, they don't go. You saw that there was a there was a vacuum and a potential treatment mode or process that could happen. You develop Limber, which is this home exercise program software that works with patient compliance and scheduling and tracking and reminders and all these great things so that we're providing super great care for our patients. But then somehow, some way in your busy life, you decide to go be, be Mr. Smith and go to Washington and try and change the world. And you go in front of CMS and try and develop these new codes so that actually physicians can be paid for this new service, which really looks pretty cool. So what came first? Was Limber there first? Was it parallel pathways? Were you going to DC to change the world? I'd love to hear the story. Yeah, so what came first was Limber. Um, I We did a clinical uh, study at Mayo Clinic and um, really was thinking about more holistic care and you know how patients were complying with their therapy at home. Um, but, uh, and, and we showed good efficacy. We actually published that study and showed that patients did three times better with Limber than the standard of care. Um, what was the the problem is you need to have a good reimbursement model. And, and so uh, I went to uh, the AMA CPT panel and said, hey, I would like to bill for Limber. There's these new cults called remote physiological monitoring. And they said, you can't bill for those. Those are non-physiological uh, pieces of data, which I wanted to track pain and function and, and tracking kinematic motion for, for how patients were moving with their range of motion. And All right, hold on for a second, because you're losing Judy, and Judy and, uh, and Elisa are going to be good friends. That's your mother. We've, uh, we'll talk about the mother story later on. But let's go back, because I want to make sure everybody understands. So just give the listeners the specific feedback of what Limber is. What does it do? How does it help a patient at home? Yeah, so Limber is a digital home exercise therapy app that includes exercises that are prescribed through a portal or a protocol. And then the patient gets an app on their phone that includes uh, video form home exercise uh, programs that, that can be for any orthopedic condition. We have over 5,000 exercises and 120 programs now. Um, they get reminders, they get notifications. We track their pain and function scores. We track their movement. Um, all of this is done through a patient-facing app, which is pretty impressive nowadays. And then all that data, all that information goes back to the to the uh, portal where their, their doctor or physical therapist or occupational therapist can know how they're doing. And all of this is being supplemented also by care navigators. These are licensed professionals that are trained in cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing, and they're checking in with the patient, making sure that, uh, like I was a personal trainer, they're they're inspiring the patient to stick to their exercise program. And I, so that's, I, that's a little bit about I, what Limber is. 
I love it. All right. So for example, for me, so I mm -hmm. have a patient comes in, you need a knee replacement, you know, Miss Jones, and I'm going to sign you up for limber for what's something we call prehab. You know, we want, we can't do your knee replacement for another three to four months, but I'd love for you to get involved now so we can build up your strength and your stamina so that you're going to be ready to rock and roll when it comes time for surgery. And you're, we then sign the patient up to get the app on their phone. And then rather than getting in a car and relying on your son or somebody to take you to PT, if you can't get there, you can do these exercises from home. Your smartphone monitors all of these things. You got cool coaches that are checking in with you, motivating you, keeping you going, and you're collecting this data so that we can actually show that it works, right? So that's Limber in a nutshell. That's correct. Absolutely. All right. all right. Love it. So awesome for the patients. We figured that out. So Limber comes first. And then you talked about the AMA CPT. What that means to everybody is the American Medical Association, in order to get paid for something as a doctor, you got to have a procedural code. It's a thing that comes up so you can submit it in so that Medicare or your insurance company will pay for you. So they had these codes that you kind of thought might work. But it turns out they said, nope, go back to the drawing board. And as a classic entrepreneur, you don't just give up, right? You say, okay, I love this idea. What else can we do? So now tell our listeners what you did in order to make it so that doctors could be reimbursed for this valuable uh, new treatment option. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I did was at Mayo, there was a doctor who uh, was on the CPT panel. I told him I wanted to create a new code. And if anyone knows anything about me, I'm like the most persistent person out there. And I'll, I'll do everything that I can to try to, to uh, be successful. And so he, he told me, there's no way you're going to get a code. Yeah, go home. What are you talking about? It Nobody takes, gets it, a new CPT It takes code. 20 years. Go home, um, kid. <laughs> and so I was like, well, that that's, that's I'm going to at least try. So I, I uh, with the help of, of so many people that I, I became friends with and um, colleagues, um, was able to, 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 put in an application for a code for remote therapeutic monitoring. And that was uh, taken in by the AMA Digital Health Payment uh, Committee. And um, luckily we had so many societies, so Orthos, AOS, APTA, um, uh, the AMA was supportive. And uh, we had all the societies agree that this code would, would be A, helpful, and B, have the ability to save downstream healthcare costs. and and um, so that's how those codes were actually created. And then the rock, which is the one who values the codes actually came up with a valuation for it. And that happened, which was really exciting. And all these are, are, are very hard milestones to happen. And then the, the hardest thing is to get CMS to approve it. And so we actually uh, worked with CMS and, and met with CMS and talked about how um, improving therapy adherence and the, the lack of access to therapy um, uh, were some some large challenges, and if we could improve that adherence, there's an ability to decrease downstream healthcare costs and improve patient outcomes. And they decide to pay for it. All right, so it's like, yeah, no big deal. I had to go through three separate committees. Whatever, three years. I mean, how long did it take you to get the actual codes? It, yeah, it took three years. Um, it, it was a long process, and um, there um, there was some. Uh, there were some sad days and there were some happy days. Um, and, you know, there, there was definitely a lot of uncertainty if it would uh, be accepted. You know, it's interesting. We've had so many entrepreneurs on the show and anybody that's tried to start a business, it's two steps forward, one step backwards. There is no playbook on how it's going to come out. Like you said, good days and bad days. But 
But the true entrepreneurs persevere and they keep moving forwards and they keep looking and striving for solutions. So, you know, fantastic job, you know, for you one and the people that you worked with. I know this wasn't all yourself. It was a large group that sort of came together. But I think this is a huge... I completely agree. I mean, you if I've learned anything, you, this is a team sport. It requires lots of people. You have to get a lot of people to believe in you and you have to be very persistent. And to any of the listeners on the show, you just never give up. You really got to always put your best foot forward, be proactive, and uh, just keep a keep a, a smile on your face while you're trying to, to, to get some stuff like this to, to be accomplished. This is a true, truly huge win for both physicians and patients, right? So physicians, right? We can't work any harder. And physical therapists. And too. physical therapists too. I apologize. Yes, the physical therapists are a huge part of this as well because they're, they're able to monitor uh, the process as well, uh, as well as extenders. But so, you know, as, as healthcare providers, it's impossible for us to work any harder. It's time that we have to be able to work smarter, right? We can't press any more buttons. Every day, somebody's ratcheting us down on our reimbursement. So this is the first time in my 25 years of clinical practice that I can recall that new CPT codes came out that opens up an entire new you know, uh, source of revenue for physician practices, but more importantly, provides this, the skill, the guidance for healthy lives to keep our patients moving in a way that they can comply in the safety of their home without having to run around and do crazy stuff. So, you know, it, it's really been something that I've been very excited about, really thrilled to, to be a part of. So again, congratulations to you on that hard work. Thank you so much, Scott. It, it means so much coming from you. So thanks a lot. No, you're very, very welcome. And so, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this. And, and I still think that it's not really widely known yet that this exists, right? I mean, you're starting to to get into large groups. Who are you working with now through Limber, large hospital systems, private practices? Who so who are you who are you partnering with? Yeah, large PT practices, um, large orthopedic groups, um, and several hospital systems have been uh the ones that we've actually started with. And um I think that's been uh been our target market so far. And the acceptance rate's been, once people drink the Kool-Aid and read through the tea leaves, they see it, uh, people have been excited about the concept and the process. Yeah, so there's definitely people that have been burned from other situations in the past. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crawl, walk, run type of scenario. But Medicare covered the codes back in January 1st of 2022. Now we have uh, many commercial payers covering the codes. Every single um, month, there's new commercial payers covering the codes, and um, that's definitely a process. Um, but uh, um, it's pretty exciting because it's it, there's more awareness coming down about uh, remote therapeutic monitoring, and you, you have more providers and more solutions coming to the marketplace that are. I mean, I, I really think that it, it falls beautifully into the value-based, you know, care equation, right? Because at the end of the day. You know, if we can keep our patients moving and perhaps they don't need as much surgery, they don't have as many secondary medical problems and conditions that they have as well, right? And what's what's the what's the rate for the average person that completes a physical therapy program from a prescription from a doctor for, for regular physical therapy? Yeah, I, I first I, I think this is a glide path to really innovative alternative models that I've spent my whole life working on, but 
so when I was at CMI is actually when I started working on Limber and thinking about these, these more holistic value-based care models. And when I was looking at the data, when a doctor gives a script and says, you should do therapy, 12% of patients go to therapy. And 12%. 12%. And then 30% complete it. And then they come back to us and they, you ask them, did you do your therapy? And they say, oh, I didn't do it. You know, I asked why they didn't do their therapy. They say it was hard to get there. There's time constraints. Um, you know, the therapy was boring. There's costs uh, involved. And I wanted to figure out ways to how can we help patients be more successful over the therapy program? So we have good data on, you know, is it the next step of their care surgery? Is it have they have they truly failed uh, conservative treatment options that we should think about other options at this point? And, you know, what are the things that we can do that help improve them on the early side that, um, you know, you want that we get the right patients that need the, the right surgery at the right time. And so that's uh, uh, some of the data that, that I saw. Yeah. And I think that your comment is is really good for the physical therapists that are out there as well, right? I mean, a physical therapists would be a lot happier if every patient went and completed all of their physical therapy. So physical therapists can now take part in the remote therapeutic monitoring as well. So another way, you know, come to me, see me once a week, but let's see you remotely and make sure that you're doing well. You know, I can also say that, you know, I want to talk about this as far as the dashboard and the monitoring and the care, you know, the what you guys provide as far as the 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 work behind the scenes, as far as, you know, the personal trainers or the care coordinators, but then there's nurses that are also involved that are monitoring the process. The the there's documentation of all of the things that are required that is necessary for you to bill Medicare, right? Last thing anybody wants is Medicare fraud, you know, coming after them. So documenting all of this, but Limber does that for you. It's you have a dashboard, you can monitor, you can watch. But as a clinician, I'm not involved clicking buttons and calling people and looking on the phone. So it really extends my ability to care for patients without creating much more onerous work for me on a day-to-day -day basis, which to me is one of the huge advantages of the program. Yeah, I, I can't, I mean, I completely agree. When you think of the, the value prop, one is helping a physician without doing an excessive amount of work, be able to be involved in the holistic episode of care, not just in that clinical visit, you might see them for five or 30 minutes or whatever that, that visit is, but throughout their entire episode. And what is the team that that doctor needs or that therapist needs to be involved to, to make sure that they're knowing about what's happening at home and making sure that data is coming back to the clinic so the doctor or therapist can make a, a clinical decision about the next step in their care. And so this portal has, we have over... 35 different flags. We track pain and function scores pretty accurately and have a high compliance rate. We're, we're doing really innovative things to uh, think of different ways to improve compliance for home exercise therapy. And I want to also be clear, this doesn't preclude our, the patients from going to formal physical therapy as well. You can no, do that. I, you do both. You go to yeah. formal physical therapy and you can have remote therapeutic monitoring. So really the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think this is a win-win-win for everyone, and it's very rare that that happens. And I'm I'm really excited because I truly believe in physical therapy. I believe in in-person therapy is is critical, and um, this is not a tool to cannibalize therapy. I think the the goal is to how can we improve therapy adherence for everyone.
Yeah, no, I think you're you're spot on. One of the other things that I, I I can talk, you know, personally about my experience is that the patients seem to like it. You know, it's not a hard sell. You know, I got a smartphone and they all, you know, all the grandmas got smartphones. They got to be able to talk to their grandkids and see all the pictures and everything else. So they're pretty adept at using it. And every once in a while you get a patient that says no. And so obviously they're not a candidate. But for the most part, it's really been well accepted by the patients. Patients love it. They uh, they love the coach, keeping them honest, making sure that they're sticking to their exercises. Uh, once again, all of our coaches are trained in motivational interviewing. So they talk about goals. They talk about what they want to accomplish. Uh, it, the coach went live with Medicare. So sometimes uh, older patients uh, can, be, can, can be lonely. So having a friend to talk to, to coach them up with their exercises when they're feeling down and they don't feel like doing their exercise that day. This is a good way for them to, to stick to their home exercise program. No, it's really, really well done. One of the things that uh, I've been super happy to be able to provide for my patients, you know, I want to give I want to send out some love to your mother and apologize to her when we called her from Vegas that night too late, but we were all excited about what was going on. So Mom, we apologize. We're not going to call you after 10 o'clock ever again when we're getting excited about uh, about Limber. <laughs> I, my, I I had to call my mother. She was so excited to speak to the fro. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was her dream. She just happened to be sleeping because we were on the West Coast. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, we'll have to hook her up with Judy as well. And we're going to get ourselves a whole big little orthopedic knockus, uh family <laughs> event for everybody to have fun. Listen, Mark, this was fantastic. Really you know, I, I thought that this would be a very important episode for our listeners to understand when something new comes around that is truly, uh, you know, not incremental innovation, but really a major change. I think it's great to be able to share. You've made a huge difference, you know, early in life, compelling uh, going through that rigorous process of getting those codes. And God bless you as an orthopreneur. I know the pain of that every day, and you know, with all the things that we're doing here. But I really want to thank you for your time, commend you for your amazing efforts behind the scenes, and really hope that Libra takes off. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you having me on the show. It, it, it's it's so awesome. I listen to the show, to the show all the time, and I'll be at Doc SF uh, speaking about value-based care models and, and RTM. So uh, really appreciate you talking with me today, Scott. Yeah, congratulations, Mark. You are now officially an Ortho Show alumnus. We're thrilled to have you as part of the team. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.